You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority of their families. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so grateful that you would listen in. My name is Todd Lesher. I'm your host. And today, we're talking about a heavy topic. We are talking about divorce. And so at the table with me today, I've got three guests. I've got Chess and Leanna Hoyle with us, and I've got Sally Warren with us as well. Thank you all for being with me today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Well, why don't you all take a moment to introduce yourselves? Uh, We'll start with the married couple here, Chess and Leanna. Why don't you guys get started? Yeah. Well, uh, my name is Chess. I have been on staff at Forest Hill for six and a half, going on seven years now, and probably my claim to fame is being the producer of this podcast. That's right. (laughs) Yep. He makes the magic happen behind the scenes. Uh, My name's Leanna, and I am a life group leader with Advance for um, high school senior girls, and I have been since seventh grade. Yeah, way to go. That's awesome. That (laughs) needs to be honored. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Sally, how about you? Yeah, my name is Sally Warren, and I am on staff at Forest Hill in the Karen Counseling Department. I'm a counselor there, and I've been a counselor at Forest Hill in some capacity for the last, I think, four and a half years. And I do, I guess, somewhat specialize in working with children and families um, through different situations that they go through, like divorce. Awesome. Well, thank you all for being here at the table and talking into our families about this really important and sensitive topic. So we're going to look at divorce from two angles. Chess and Leanna are going to give us a look into their personal experience, looking back on growing up in homes of divorced parents. And Sally is going to help us see how divorce affects kids and families from a counselor's point of view. So we're going to start with Chess and Leanna. And why don't you both give us your particular perspectives to get the conversation going about what your story is when it comes to divorce? Okay. Uh, I can start. Uh, So my parents got divorced when I was four and both got remarried by the time I was seven, I think, or, or right after I turned seven. So I don't really have any memories of my parents being together. Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, that was the life of a lot of my friends too. I remember in my friend group in, uh, elementary and middle and high school, I remember I had one friend whose parents were not divorced and the rest of them were. And Mm -hmm. so anytime we were hanging out, it's like, that was just part of what you're figuring out. It's like, Hey, you want to hang out this weekend? Nah, Matt, my dad's this weekend, which is 20 minutes from here. So Mm -hmm. I can, we'll have to wait till next weekend. Um, and so it was like, you know, church life because both parents went to church, but it was different denominations Mm -hmm. and sometimes we're church shopping. So there was never a super consistent group of people that I enjoyed hanging out with until at least like middle school, they had both kind of planted where they were going to stay. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's always been part of my life. So when people, I mean, it's never been a super sad thing mm-hmm. for me. I know a lot of people, not that divorce isn't sad, but I've never had this super emotional yeah. um, devastation tied to it. Cause that's just, that's what life was. Yeah. So, yeah. and so a question in that when your parents got remarried, both of them got remarried. Mm-hmm. So what was your view of those families? Was it dad and mom? And then was it stepmom, stepdad? How did you view those and kind of at the age that you were. Yeah. It's stepdad, stepmom and figuring out that. And, and there's this thing, even at such a young age, you're very protective of your parents. Like yeah, who's yeah. this guy dating my mom, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, right. And uh, my mom married my stepdad 
and he did not have any kids, um, but they had a son together. So my younger half brother, um, who is, uh, eight or 10 years younger than me, my stepmom did have two kids already. So those are my two older brothers. And then we later on, Mm -hmm. um, sort of adopted a third brother into that family. Um, and then there's my older sister, who's my only like hundred percent full blood sibling. But yeah, so it was just a, it was a different family dynamic to, to be with these older brothers that I was like, okay, you guys have a lot of history here that I don't know about. and not a part of, and you guys fight with each other a lot and I'm not part of that either. Um, and then to have a younger brother who, you know, we don't have the same dad, but we're living in the same house. It's it's, it was odd. I remember like having to like get accustomed to that as a, however old I was, eight or 10 years old. Yeah. Just being like, this is strange that we're not, fully blood. I mean, and it's, it's not a thing now, mm-hmm. but I just remember not really being able to comprehend, but knowing it's like, there's something different here. Yeah. Yeah. So, and learning how to navigate that yeah. and all the complexities and, and complexities like, involved. you know, it would be like, mom, I'm going to dad's and we're going to go do this fun thing. I want to take little brother with me. And now, navig- so yeah. having, forcing my mom to navigate some weirdness there of right, like right. sending her other son yeah. from new marriage. Yeah. This, I don't know if this is a, appropriate. It's definitely not accurate, but when it comes to blended families, you think of popular shows like The Brady Bunch or TGI Fridays and or, or TGIF. TGIF. It is for TGI Fridays a restaurant. This podcast brought to you by TGI Fridays. Loaded potato skins. TGIF was Step by Step. Yeah. Is these shows that kind of depicted what a blended family. And I don't remember if it was from divorce. I feel like step-by-step step was. And them trying to visualize what that looked like, and it was always romanticized. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so easy. We just, yeah, we fight over a few things, but at the end of the day, we're going to put our arms over each other's shoulder and be like, ah, family. So, yeah, it's not like that. Yeah. So, well, thank you for, we'll get into a, your story a little bit more, but Leanna, why don't you take us through yours? Okay. I was um, a senior in high school when my parents started to get divorced. Um, and my little brother was 11 and I had an older brother who was in college already. So he was pretty much not affected. Um, and then I just became my little brother's protector Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to save him from all that stuff. (laughs) So, um, it was pretty hard. I think it might've been easier in like in Chess's case where he was four. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I was 18 and this is all I knew. And then that changed completely. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what word would you use to describe that? You know, chess mentions for his, he was not necessarily uh, sadness was not pronounced at that time. Um, but what, what emotion or description do you apply to that moment time experience? Uh, probably turmoil. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was trying you to figure out everything where to go that. to school. Yes. Yep. And mm-hmm. you would walk in the room and my parents would be together and they would just go silent. And you're like, mm. it's not like we can't feel how this room feels right. when you yep. were talking like that. So you're 18, you're in tune yes. with everything. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to take Eli, I guess, mm-hmm. little brother. Yep. So, And that was right when we started dating too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, so we kind of had shared custody. I got him every weekend. <laughs> And he went every other week to my parents. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, after we were married. Yeah. After we got married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of adopted him. So. Uh huh. Right. Well, take us into a few more of the maybe the dominant memories. Um, and 
however far you want to go is is your call here. But what are some of the distinct memories that come to mind uh, growing up in a divorced family? Um, for me, and this this may just speak to the fact that I'm not a super emotional person, mm-hmm. but it was it, it, inconvenience would would be like yeah. the primary. Um, particularly around holidays, mm-hmm. it, you become like a football coach drawing the play out with all the X's and O's. So like, okay, we're going to go to this grandma's <laughs> yeah. house and then we're going to split over to other grandparents' house yep. on this side. And then we got to go stepdad's mom's house. Yep. But then like, you know, if certain sections of the family aren't meeting and so all mm. of a sudden, um, and you know, cause you got mom's parents, dad's parents, yep. and then both step parents parents so that's four and then when we got married I was 19 she was 21 mm-hmm. that turns into eight yep. you know um, but it, it was just a lot of inconvenience it was it was a pain to um, to to plan anything outside the ordinary so in my mm-hmm. case I was with dad every Wednesday and every like after school to like 9 p.m. and then every other weekend Um and it was a pain to plan like, okay, my friend wants me, he's going on a trip and wants me to go with him this weekend. Yeah. Well, now do we swap the weekends and we're off schedule or whatever? Or do we just like, dad just skips this go round and we'll yeah. go at it next time. Um, and then like when special events would come up, you know, that it, it was always just a, a hassle. Yeah. So that, that was probably the biggest thing. And it got a little bit easier when I got a license. Um, but, you know, when you're 16, you, you're you kind of in that territory where, like, you're starting to make decisions without necessarily having decision-making right, brain power. Right, right, uh, So it, it, I, I was always careful not to, like, cast allegiance mm-hmm. with one parent or the other. Mm-hmm. So that, that became like, cause it was like, okay, you can drive now. You can come over here whenever you want. Mm. I was like, okay. Uh, you know, yeah. if I want to stay a little bit longer yeah. or if I want to go a little bit earlier. So that was, it, it was, it all just comes back to like it being a pain to plan around. And, and even with friends, you know, like I said, of just, it's just easier just to stick with mm. like to go home and just play video games or whatever and be by myself or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's important. It sounds like the, you were at the mercy of your parents' communication. And if the com- communication is intact and clear, then you are going somewhere. But if there's a breakdown in communication, then you're just at the mercy of finding out, mm-hmm. okay, what am I doing now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and, and it was, it, it was in seasons. I remember being very young, I think maybe five or six, and my dad dropped me off and he said, will you, will you ask your mom to come out on the porch? I want to talk to her. And I don't know what they talked about. Mm-hmm. And my mom came back in and I was like, why were you guys talking? And she probably told me whatever they were talking about. And he was like, and I, my response to her was like, yeah, but you guys were divorced now, right? Mm-hmm. That means you don't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. That means you don't like each other. Yeah. So yeah. that was my understanding yeah. of it. A stereotype of divorce, right? Five yeah. or six. Yep. No. Um, but yeah, it got, it was in seasons mm-hmm. of, you know, cause there were some times when they just couldn't stand each other and made each other angry every time they talked to each other and didn't like to talk. Uh, and they did a decent job of shielding me from that. But a, you know, like my lovely wife said, like, I'm not ignorant to what's yeah. going on. I can tell that you guys are being weird and shifty. Mm. And then there were occasions like, I remember like 
my dad would pick me up and then he would stop somewhere and like run into the gas station or whatever. And I'm just like a kid rifling around the car. <laughs> and I'm like, what's this court document? Oh, wow. oh, yeah. This looks very official mm. and like it's causing somebody a lot of trouble. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't think I should be reading this. What's in it? Uh-huh, right, right. <laughs> so. yep. Yeah. How about you, Leanna? I know you, um, you said, you know, tumultuous is basically the idea, right? But yeah. what are those pronounced memories for you at that time? Um, I was mostly a mediator between them because hmm. I was the only one apparently in the situation that could see both sides. Wow. And so my mom would say something. I'd be like, when she says that, this is what she means. And my dad oh, wow. would say something. I'd be like, this is what he means. And so I would literally be sitting in the middle of the table and they'd be at either end. Yeah. And so that was, that was really hard because mm-hmm. I didn't, those weren't conversations I should have been a part of. Yeah. Um, so they should have been seeing a professional or anyone else, I think. Right. You became um, their professional. I did. <laughs> I did. Their therapist. I didn't get paid. Yeah. Was not good. Wow. Um, and just, I think protecting my little brother was yeah. my number one priority. And so I didn't deal with it for a long time because mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't afford to. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't feel in this right now. I just, I have a job. Yeah. When you mentioned protector, is that guarding them from, you know, when things got tense? Was it guarding them from the emotion? Like what, what all encompassed the protector role? Um, I mean, I would ask him constantly uh, how he's feeling, you know, like what's going on. This doesn't mean that this isn't about you. Hmm. Like they're not getting divorced because of anything that we did. Yeah. Uh, they love us both very much. They just don't like each other very mm, much right yeah, now. Yeah. And so it was a lot of that. And I, I mean, I had my license, so I would just leave the house with them when things got mm, weird. Yeah. And, you know, if someone came over to, you know, just argue. I mean, it didn't even have to be bad, but he he was very sensitive. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to the movies. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. We're out here. Well, it's, I mean, it's overwhelming to think about just the, the idea that you didn't abandon your brother, right? Like you could have just left him, deserted him, got in the car and rolled, you know, but to say, I'm taking you with me and I'm going to care for you. I feel responsible for you in the midst of this. Um, that's yeah, really commendable. So divorce is never easy um, and staying together also takes a lot of work. But when it comes to having divorced parents, what are some of the realities you had to live with or challenges you faced along the way, even to this point? So... We've talked a lot about some of those things in your childhood, but you can speak into post-childhood at this point too. Well, I mentioned getting married. Uh, you know, there's the the awkwardness there of like, well, I'm getting married or, or even like graduation or things where it's like both of your parents should be here for this thing. But we're, you know, graduation is a good example. We're only giving you two tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have uh, four. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, so things like that where, and that's not anybody's fault. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't fault the the school or whatever. The, uh, the other thing was, uh, it wasn't super often, but every once in a while, and I'm, I'm making an assumption here because, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents didn't obviously give me the full details of their divorce Mm -hmm. and a custody battle and all that stuff. But every once in a while, when it would get really bad, they would start talking to me about either not like details of like how it's going, but that they were angry with the other parent. Mm. Um, and it's, what am I supposed to do? That's like when, when you got two best friends and one of them comes to like, 
other best friend <laughs> did something terrible to me. Yeah. And they're the worst. I'm like, well, what? I mean, they didn't do anything bad to me. What am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? Yeah. You know, my, do you want me to be mad at them on right. your behalf? Right. So just awkwardness there. And they, it, not that they ever, I don't think they were ever trying to like win me to a side by any means, but there is this feeling of, uh, as a kid, like you want to make your parents happy. Yeah. And so the thought, the thought in those moments is like, what do you want from me right now? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Do you want me to agree with you? You want me to be like, yeah, you know, mom sucks or dad's yeah, the worst. Yep, yep. Or do you want me just to shut up or, yeah. <laughs> uh, you want me to give you a phone number of somebody that you could talk to? Mm-hmm. I, I just want to, I want to help. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. I'm 12. It's you not know? so deep. It's like so complex in the idea that you're not only picking sides, but picking emotions, to, to express, like you're trying to solve this riddle yeah. in the midst of like, is this the right answer? <laughs> you yeah. presented or something yeah. like, and you never got the straight feedback of whether or not you were doing what they wanted. Well, I mean, social interactions for me, just cause I'm kind of socially awkward anyway, mm-hmm. or it's like a, a vending machine where I'm just trying to push the right <laughs> button to get the soda that I want. Uh-huh. It's like, Oh, I, that's not the one I wanted. I yep. pushed the wrong button. Yep. The combinations are off. Yeah. yeah. So just, just trying to navigate. Yeah you know, when, when they were super tense with each other. And I guess I should clarify They're, they're now totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like they, they actually, this um, is your mom and dad, their correct. interactions with one another. Now. Yeah. They, they are fine with each other. Like my dad will come to family gatherings mm-hmm. where it's all my mom's family. Um, there was a moment of realization and I actually was talking to my mom about this in preparation for this podcast. Um, it was when my older sister was about to have her first uh, baby. And my mom was thinking about, um, my dad's parents and that they had a, a really bad relationship with my dad's parents whenever, uh, they had kids. And she said, I'm not going to repeat this. Like we're, we're going to stop this cycle here. Mm. And so she asked me like, how would you feel about me calling your dad and inviting him over for whatever family gathering Mm -hmm. it was, might've been Easter or something. And I laughed in her face Mm. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my dad asked me the same thing later that week. And I was like, okay, yeah. believe it when I see it. Right. And then like they showed up wow. and it wasn't as weird as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And now they're totally fine and can talk and yeah. hang out and all that. And it's great now. Yeah. That's good. But it took a while to get there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How about you, Leanna? What are some of those? My realities? parents aren't there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I mean, it wasn't like I was in school anymore, so I didn't have to explain it to people Mm -hmm. or go back and forth. Mm. I could stay where I wanted to. Um, And so there was a lot of accusation of choosing sides and just stuff like that, and it was really hard. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think we all know that no one gets married with the intentions of getting divorced, so, Sally, why don't you jump into this conversation at this point? What encouragement do you all have for couples to avoid divorce? So we'll start with the couple themselves, Leanna and Chess, and then, Sally, you can tag on. I think that you just don't let it be an option, and it's not a word that you should ever say. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it's a no-no word, as yeah, we say. Yeah. Um, like, you just you don't bring it up in jest. You don't mm. threaten it. You don't – I don't know. I think things like that. My – my grandma wanted me to get a prenuptial agreement with Jess, and I was uh, like, first of all, I have nothing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you want? you want? The DVD VCR <laughs> yeah. combo? And uh, Jess was like, that just seems like going in it 
yeah. with a you know plan B. Yeah. And there there is no plan B. Mm-hmm. I, I I think the the advice that people generally give about marriage is like communicate, yeah. which is great and very vague and unhelpful. Mm-hmm. So I would elaborate on that to say there's a line between um, love covering sins and letting things fester mm-hmm. for the sake of being yeah. ki- kind or, or maintaining avoiding. the peace. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, like love covers all or whatever. But if, if, love has to keep covering the same thing over and over and over mm. again, it's going to rubber all spot. Mm-hmm. So you, that is the stuff that you have to talk about where you're just like, Hey, this has been going on and I've been trying to deal with it, but I, it's continuing to happen and I'm, I'm frustrated by it. So we got to figure something else out. Yeah. So communicate about that sort of stuff. Cause that, those are the things that will snowball and eventually it just comes out in an explosion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like, you're always this way. I can't yeah. believe you're so da 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 da. So just like, don't don't mm. let that. Don't let the snowball become an avalanche. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Sally, how about you? Yeah, so I think my answer might be a little bit different mm-hmm. than Chess and Leanna's. Um, when I sit with couples, or you know, if couples are listening to this podcast and they're considering divorce or mm-hmm. on the verge of divorce. It's a hard question to answer in simplicity because every situation is so unique and there are so many different nuances to people's different situations that I would honestly want to have an individual conversation with each of them. Um, But where I think as counselors, especially counselors in the church we land is um, the church takes a high view of marriage. We believe that God made marriage, that he loves marriage, and that his best plan is for couples to stay married. So, um, to stay married. So Mm -hmm. I would tell couples that, um, that marriage can be healed, that doing marital therapy when things are, are difficult is really hard work, but that God can heal and redeem. Um, the other side of that though, of course, is that we live in a broken world and, there's a lot of hard things that come with that. We are all sinners. And the reality of it is that sometimes marriages cannot be mm. reconciled. And in the church, I think sometimes we make divorce the unpardonable sin. Right. And there's grace for people who um, do get to the place where they do decide marriage. Divorce is the only option and they can't mm-hmm. stay married. And I would, um, I would just want people to also know that God still loves you and divorce is not the end of your story. If that mm-hmm. does end up That's being good. the way that yeah. it goes for yeah. you. That's really good. So something to, to tag on there, because you mentioned, uh, Leanna, you mentioned, uh, prenuptials, right? Which is almost like, we're going to have a plan B here. So going in with possibility to divorce. And then Sally, which you mentioned that sometimes divorce is inevitable in, in a situation, but the, the idea that, when you hit a rough patch, that it's not your f- immediate yes. response. That's right. It is you work through this, and mm-hmm. if you slam up against the wall just over and over and over again, and you're doing the hard work, it may happen, mm-hmm. right? So that's those sort of realities that don't go into marriage thinking like, oh, we might get divorced one day. But when it gets hard, don't give up mm-hmm. on the first try, mm-hmm. you know? You were you made a covenant, yep. which is a promise to work at this, no matter what. Yep. So I think that's really good to balance yep. out the Absolutely. conversation here. And that just goes against that whole cultural norm, yep. kind of what I think you're speaking to, Todd. Yeah, that we also yeah. see is this idea and culture that's kind of like have a plan B, like yep. you were saying, yep. Lana. Or if it gets hard, just 
it walk should away. Be easy. Yeah. It should yeah. be easy. You should make me happy. And I feel like we do spend a lot of time in the church trying to fight um, for marriage and yep. convince people that marriage really is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Sally, from your experience as a counselor, what do some of the common conversations look like? Like, what do you find yourself reminding and repeating kids mm-hmm. over and over again whose parents are getting divorced or are yeah. divorced? Well, it's really cool listening to Chess and Leanna share their stories because I think they're such a great example that um, all kids are affected by divorce differently. Mm-hmm. Their experiences are really different. So, one of the main things that I really focus on regardless is just being a safe place for kids to process. Yeah. When Chess talked about um, not wanting to cast allegiance on either parent, mm-hmm. a lot of times kids feel like they have to filter what they say to each of their parents. And oftentimes counseling, one of the best things it offers them is a place where they don't have to have um, any loyalties at stake and they can mm-hmm. be more free to share their emotions. Yeah. So that's really the biggest thing. Also just helping kids maneuver the difficulties and all the changes and loss that comes with divorce. So things like holidays, mm-hmm. dividing time differently, um, all the different things that are happening to them that are out of their control. And that's yeah. just a really hard part of it for kids is they didn't decide to get divorced, mm-hmm. but they're so profoundly affected by yeah. it. Um, and part of that also means that they, their behavior can change as a result of Mm, divorce. So we do see a lot of kids that will struggle with defiance, opposition, acting out, and it doesn't help to try to address the behavior specifically when they're really rooted in emotions that are caused by the divorce. So when that's the case, what we really want to do is help them process all the emotions they're feeling around the divorce, which will dissipate the behaviors themselves. So we do look at that and try to pay attention to different things that could be going on that look like disrespect, but are really, I'm angry Mm. that something happened to me that feels unfair and I didn't get a choice in it. Um, But the interesting thing is that not every kid displays these behaviors or necessarily struggles with divorce in the same way. Um, And this may be a little (laughs) interesting to hear me say, but not every kid needs counseling immediately in the wake of Mm. divorce. I think another thing that we see is that kind of like what Leanna was saying, she was probably at a place initially where she, she couldn't really process it because she was having to take care of her brother and do other things. And sometimes parents bring their kids in and, um, I mean this in the most gentle and loving way, but it's really out of their own guilt Mm. that they want to do something to help their kid when the kid really doesn't want or need to be in counseling. And something that I talk with parents a lot about is, um, essentially I say something like, look, a lot of things that have happened that are out of their control Mm. and whether or not they're in counseling is something that I really feel they need to be able to choose for themselves. And so I want to empower them and give them the choice and the option if they want someone to talk about or process with, or certainly if they're displaying really extreme behavioral issues as a result, then counseling is a necessary option. But if they're not ready or honestly, they're not showing any maladjustment at that point, then sometimes they really don't need counseling and they can get support in lots of other ways, youth group leaders, friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So counseling can be a really helpful option, but it is not the only or necessarily best way for every kid to get support. Well, Sally, just, um, you know, I feel overwhelmed with just gratitude towards the care and counseling work that you and the team does here at Forest Hill. And this approach and this this view that you have on families, parents, individuals, children who are in the wake of divorce is that you are not placing shame upon them, mm-hmm. which you kind of alluded to that 
you know, addressing how the church has handled it, divorce in the past, but there's still people right. creating the image of God right. who deserve grace and forgiveness like the rest of us. Yes. Whether we're married or single, uh, we're all broken, and, yeah. we, and we need that healing ourselves. And so I'm tremendously grateful for that posture that we take, that everyone can have a hope story, mm-hmm. and you're speaking that into them. It doesn't mean it's not mm-hmm. going to... Cr- take hard work, right. right? We probably will reiterate that over and over again. But the thing that stuck out to me while Chess was sharing his story that kind of relates to what you're saying, we'll get us to our next question is, you know, the kids are going through a lot, mm-hmm. right? They're th- this, these emotions and the complexity and trying to figure out the right combination <laughs> to, for pleasing parents. But the parents themselves are working through a great deal themselves. And it's got to be so layered in this, right? It's so dynamic. And when it comes to the parenting side, which you kind of mentioned when it, you know, a lot of interaction may be driven by the guilt that they're feeling themselves. What's just your advice about Mm co-parenting? Because there are parents who listen to this podcast who are divorced. Uh, They may be remarried, but they've they've got a co-parent, you know, and both Chess and Leanna have alluded to this in their stories. How can they co-parent well while managing their stuff Mm -hmm. at the same time? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so the things that I would say are, I think the biggest mistake that parents can make or the thing that most often I see go wrong, um, and Chess and Leanna described this, and of course everybody you know, d- doesn't always handle things well in the wake of trauma, which we actually do mm-hmm. use the word trauma with divorce, even yeah, though that can sound yeah. dramatic. Mm-hmm. But um, with co-parenting, I think... Um, is really being able to manage themselves and their own emotions well. So when parents are mismanaging themselves, um, and they, a lot of times that looks like putting their child in the middle. So we talk about playing telephone with your kid. Mm -hmm. So not saying you need to tell your mom this or, um, tell your dad, I'm not going to do that. That puts kids in a really uncomfortable and confusing situation. Mm -hmm. And it does cause them to feel, I think oftentimes, uh, uh, confusion around loyalty. Right. So who do I need to be loyal to in this situation? Um, we also really, really want to guard parents against punishing their ex by taking mm. away time from their child yeah. or doing anything that's really not in the best interest of the child as a way of getting back with to their um ex or former mm-hmm. spouse in any way. Yeah. So that's another big one. And what, you know, it's, it sounds interesting to say, but what I often encourage parents to do is you really need to function like business partners mm. to protect your investment, which is your kids. Mm. So you have yeah. to be able to take all your own emotions. And this is super, super hard. Sure, Todd. This sure. is not easy to do, yep. but take all your own emotions, all your own feelings, put them to the side when it comes to your kids and really focus on what is in the best interest of our children. And all your decisions need to be made primarily out of that and not out of your own hurt, your own emotions. Mm -hmm. I would encourage all parents um, struggling with their own emotions to do their own work, go to counseling, go to divorce care. Um, That's really a way you can care well for your kids Mm -hmm. if you find it getting in the way a lot. But they really have to be able to put it to the side to be able to co-parent well. and so that their kids, because the way that they handle the divorce will directly impact how well their kids are able to mm-hmm. handle it. So yep. when they're able to be cordial, be friendly, even if they don't feel that way, and even if the kids can kind of snuff it out, it's still way better than saying ugly mm-hmm. things about their former spouse to each other and, yeah. and confusing the kids in that way. Yeah, well, we've kind of been told throughout the years this idea that 
Um, marriage is the master level of selflessness. Yes. I'm going to change that up a little bit. I'm going to say marriage is probably the bachelor level of selflessness. Parenting is your master's level, but parenting as a divorced parent has got to be your doctorate like your level. Yeah, yeah, your PhD <laughs> level because it's like you're just talking about selflessness. Yes. So this is where you know your faith intersects Absolutely. this moment of divorce where, you know, Chess, you mentioned love covers over a multitude of sins, but Jesus also modeled that we are selfless, putting other people before ourselves. So what you're saying there is put your children yes. before yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're feeling it all as well, but uh, protect your investment is really yeah. good. I would encourage parents to make sure they tell their kids that it's okay to talk about the other parent and not in a dissing way or, mm-hmm. but like, kids get this, I'm not allowed to say the word mom in front of my dad anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, you know, complain mm-hmm. that she did this one thing or, yeah. you know, just talk about anything. There's this lady in my life who yeah. makes me Yeah, there's this one adult I know. And she's nice. Who you, you might know. <laughs> and that requires right, right. putting their own emotions about that parent yes, to the side yes. so that the yep, child yes. can have the experience of being able to speak freely. Right. right. And it doesn't become a counseling session mm-hmm. where they're right, like, right. oh, yeah, I saw that all the time yeah. when right. she did the, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. no, yeah. just right. let the kid say the thing and yeah. let them be safe and say, hey, you're allowed to talk about your mom with yeah. me or things that are mm-hmm. going on or yeah. anything. They need a safe space, yes, right? Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. how are they processing through this stuff if mom and dad won't? Yeah, I mean, they're the most, they're the two most important wow. people, and yes. you can't talk about the yeah. other one in front of. Right. So, well, let's let's get into uh, how much it is enough to share about your divorce to your kids. You talked about being a moderator for your parents. You talked about finding the file in your car. And so let's let's the three of us kind of speak into that from our different angles. Sally, why don't you start about how much is too much? How much is appropriate? This is another one of those it's not a simple answer. Answers. <laughs> oh, really? I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I love the gray. Can you tell? I love the gray. So there's not a simple answer to this question. One of the I think important things to think about is where is your child developmentally? Okay. Kids um, are going to figure things out more the older they are, so they cannot. Um, they cannot be told really simple answers because they're just going to figure it out. Otherwise, small children obviously need to know very little um, about exactly what's going on. But really, what I like to ask parents when they say, how much should we share, is you're really asking the wrong question. Mm. The right question is, what is in the best interest of your child to know? Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to that idea of, do you want to share something with your child because you want them to understand how much their dad hurt you? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to share something with your child because it's in their best interest to know and understand yeah. something? So I really think the better question is, you know, again, what does your child need? And they, you need some level of information to be able to process. If it's just this confusing thing that there's no explanation for, then that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but they usually don't need as much information as the parents hmm. think they do. Okay. Simple, basic facts about the situation are helpful and good, but I think that parents really need to check their motivation around why they want to share certain yeah. information with their kids and certainly make sure that they're not sharing information with their child that isn't children's mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. Nothing about affairs, certain mm-hmm. things like that really need to be shared with children. That's yeah. not children's 
world right. to live in. Yeah, they're um, con- so be concrete, my... abstract, yep. relational, uh, developmentally mm-hmm. to be able to process that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. How about from your 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 all's experience? What was too much? What was enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, within reason. So, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you're looking for a it's not, it's not exactly a like magic eight ball. Should I say this? <laughs> um, I would just say uh, good advice I've heard before is always choose honor. Mm. Yep. And I realize it's tough uh, to honor somebody that you are getting a divorce with. Mm. But it's like if you get closer to your child by dishonoring their other parent, you know, have you really gained anything yeah. or have you just like added, added fuel to the fire and made this a little bit more complex? So, you know, like Sally said, obviously like the nitty gritty details of exactly why this is happening. That doesn't, I mean, don't do that. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know how much child support's being paid. Mm-hmm. Like all that, the stuff that just kind of makes your face look like you smell something bad <laughs> when you talk about it, yeah. they don't need yeah, to know yeah, about yeah. that stuff. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, I think, just talking to them is really important. Um, They need to know that emotions are okay. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to say I'm frustrated and not explain why, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't need that. They need to know that, you know, they don't want you to lie. Kids are a lot smarter and they listen to a lot more than we think. So Mm -hmm. don't talk on the phone in the same room as them. They know Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, even if you're not saying names or, or say, right outside the car when they're in the car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even in the other, like, just don't, Yep. Say things you wouldn't say to their face because mm. they know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'll, I'll do you one um, better. If you got a kid in the house, your landline is not a safe place to talk. <laughs> no one has landlines anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I remember those days. You pick up the phone. I'm not listening to this <laughs> one. Yeah. My phone had a mute switch. Or just, uh, mm, uh-huh. What we got going on here? Yep, yep. Yeah. But um, talking about feelings, I think, is really important. Mm. And that um, you're saying what you feel and not just lying and saying, I feel frustrated or I'm having a hard day or, mm-hmm. you know. And not just cover it up and, you know, yeah. tell them that those emotions aren't okay. You're yeah. supposed to be happy and okay all the time. That's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. how that works. It sounds like you need to be able to give your children some intentional time to discuss. Because if everything's coming in from different dire- directions at different times, like, how do they have space to process? So yes. They, I mean, it's not a down. conversation to have when you're driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. um, but also, it, at whatever age they're at mm-hmm. depends too. So, right. I mean, but sitting down and having intentional talking time is never bad for any age. I don't yeah. think. I love that. I think it's so good. Um, another thing that I would say to parents often is you need to keep checking in. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. not just the month or even the first year, mm. but there will continue to be layers of grief and emotions that kids will feel that will happen kind of consistently over time. Yeah. So to keep asking, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And creating space and freedom for your kids to feel however they want to feel and yeah. communicate that there's not a right or a wrong way to feel and also to model healthy behavior and healthy emotional expression to them is really good. I think there's always ways that we can be honest about our emotions, like Leanna was saying, while also honoring, like Chess was saying, that we can do that without being ugly and that Mm -hmm. that creates freedom for our kids, but it also doesn't create that confusion and loyalty issue. Right. Well, and the, the, the thing that I see in, in some parenting, there's a misconception that parents think if they have a particular past where they did something wrong, that they can't tell their children not to do that because it's inauthentic. And that's not true. 
God gave you children to parent. So he has forgiven your past. And so this idea that, oh, I can't influence my children because we've gone through this divorce is not true. Kind of along the lines of what you're saying, Sally, is you still invest in your child, right? right? And you can still influence their life and you can still influence their faith. That's right. There is grace, there is healing, but you do not lose your influence. And so I love what y'all have said about the honoring piece because that goes a long way. And divorce does not have to be your identity or the yes. end of your story yes. as a family or as an individual. That's really, really good. Well, let's let's wrap up with some either final thoughts, encouragement, advice for families just in general, uh, families who have gone through, divorced, uh, through divorce, uh, just to wrap this time up. Number one, and and kind of to, to go back to what Sally was saying about like you need to act like business partners, I realize that people get divorced sometimes because of disagreements over parenting. But if you, you have to make a choice and that is either we're going to have the same rules at both houses mm. or we're going to respect each other's rules, yep. but you cannot get mad at your mm. child for not following your rule at the other house. Cause it's not a rule there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that's the thing that yeah. I've uh, experienced. Uh, so just like if you can make an agreement that mm. you can have the same rules, great. If not, then you got to, like, you know, follow when in Rome. Yeah. Put your stuff aside for the sake of your child. That's kind of what you're getting to. Yeah. And uh, I think probably the biggest one is just, and and this kind of goes back to choosing honor, but do not disrespect your Mm ex-spouse in front of your child. Yeah. Um, and, And I think of this phrase that our good friend Nate Monty always says, don't talk about my friend that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, you know, if my mom says something bad about my dad or if my dad says something bad about my mom, like my thought is like, look, if somebody said something about <laughs> yeah, my mom yeah. like that that I was going to school with, I would be getting written up because <laughs> right. of what I did. Right, right. But you're my parent and I'm supposed to respect you, but you're yeah. disrespecting my parent. So what it's you're sending such a conflicting you're sending the message you don't have to respect your parents either one of us because i am not respecting your other parent and i am not acting in a respectful Mm -hmm. manner so just like do not disrespect because my every time it happened and again it wasn't super often but when one parent started talking about the other i immediately just like white noise, like eyes glossed over. I'm on a beach somewhere mm. relaxing, yeah. not listening to anything you say yep. for the next, however long it is. And then finally you snap back and you're like, Oh, hmm, yeah. Oh, you're done. We're done. Okay, yeah. great. I'm back. So yeah. yeah, just don't, just don't drag them into the middle of it. Yeah. It, well, it, two images come to mind. It's that kids are mirrors and they're sponges, mm-hmm. right? And they will reflect back what they see. So, you know, more is caught than taught. And then the other thing is sponges, they just take in and under pressure, they will squeeze out yeah. you know, what they are taking in totally. in that way. I would say too, this quote just comes to mind. My former supervisor and one of the wisest men that I know, Dr. Bradley, oh, yeah. has a quote that feels very relevant here. He says, you cannot vanquish your enemy and not expect collateral damage. Yeah. And you know, so I think in light of what you're saying, Chess, parents can't expect to do something hurtful to their former spouse and not expect there to be collateral damage. And unfortunately, the kids are the collateral right, damage. Right. They're the yep. people who really experience the pain of that the most. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It just doesn't work. There you go. Shout out to Sid Bradley. Yes. How about you, Leanna? Um, I think it would just be uh, be authentic. Yeah. Just um, not to, you know, be perfect. 
yes. kids know their yes. parents aren't perfect and you don't have to hold up this facade yep. of things. They know that you make mistakes and they would rather you talk about those hmm. than to not be real with them. Yeah. Yep. I, I think one other that I would throw in there is just to, to the best of your ability as a parent, be acutely aware of the sibling relationships. Hmm. Um, because all of the kids are going to need support in some way. But if one is struggling significantly harder than the others and they're not being cared for and they have a strong influence. So like if the oldest sibling is having the hardest time, they will drag the other two down. Hmm. Like because, you know, they're, they're alone in their rooms and then they start talking and then it just becomes this toxic yeah. thing. And they're like I said, there's the younger ones are sponges. Mm-hmm. So they're just like. Oh. And they're being yeah. ta- told things they don't need to know by the yeah. older ones. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. they're, yeah. they they yeah. need to know that there are limits for what yeah. we're going to talk about and what we're going to say about other people. Yeah. You know, I got one last thing yes, I please. would want to say to parents who are either on the verge of divorce or mm-hmm. in the throes of yeah. divorce or have been divorced for a while. I would just really want them to know that we see you. Mm. We care about you. You're you're welcome at Forest Hill. You don't need to feel embarrassment or shame in your situation. And I think just often in the church, people that are have walked through divorce feel like they don't fit in the same way as the traditional nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And so I would just really want to communicate to them just that grace that this does not define your story. And I've said that a bunch of times, Um, but we at Forest Hill just really care deeply about you. And we want to be a part of healing and redemption in your life in whatever way that looks. And you don't have to feel embarrassed or afraid. Yeah. Well, let me pray to that end. Heavenly father, uh, have mercy on us and, just like uh, Sally shared here that um, divorce does not define your identity. God, you define our identity. We are still creating your image. We are loved. You died for us, and you have a plan for our lives. And whatever our story is, that you seek to redeem it, to tell your story through us. So we pray for families wherever they're at, whether they, they're married uh, we pray your grace upon them. If they're going through divorce, grace upon them. If they have been divorced, remarried, uh, blended families, grace upon them, Lord. And may we be a church that demonstrates the grace, the love, the truth of God in our midst, and that we we stand in a posture that reflects uh, God, our Creator and our Father, one that loves people and that is on their side and has a, a future for them and a story to tell. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Parent on parents, you got this. Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest to you, visit foresthill.org.